Welcome to episode 298 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was released on Saturday, 28th of May, 2022. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. Thanks, David. I'm Carlton Reed, and welcome to The Spokesman. This episode is 40 minutes or so with Maud de Vries, the co-founder of Bikes, the Dutch NGO that recognised cyclist numbers were dropping in the Netherlands. So, in 2016, it created the now global Bicycle Mayors Programme. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know I'm on the road at the moment, travelling to Sardinia with the help of one turn folding bike, two ferries and five trains. I'm now in Cagliari for Turismo's Chef's Bike Tour of Sardinia. But the day after leaving Newcastle on a DFDS ferry from North Shields, I landed in Amsterdam and met with Maud, along with the coordinator of the Bicycle Mayor's Programme and two of the junior mayors. We met for coffee, sparkling water and iced tea at a scenic cafe where I asked Maud to describe what we were looking at across the river. Right now we're looking at Central Station uh, at the, at the uh, shared space, which is an awesome uh, area, I think, in Amsterdam where there's also a lot of water. You have the ponds taking people from the centre of Amsterdam to north. And then, um, yeah, there's the shared space, which has been, has been working perfectly for years uh, now. And actually, they're building another shared space and a big, a very large uh, cycle park oh, under the water here. I'm going to show you around later, Carlton. And then you said there's also going to, because we've got lots of the ferries going to and fro, mm -hmm. you said there's going to be a bridge, a bicycle bridge exactly. going across here. Yeah, the bridge over the eye. Uh, they call it, and it's amazing because also you saw the cruise ships coming here, they're quite large, and still uh, they will be able to go here. So I think uh, there's been a, a fight over this for a long time. Some people thought the cyclists should go under the tunnels, and some other thought it would be good to have the pond and not change anything or have like the cable... Um, the how do they, how are they called? Yeah, the cable. The cable. Like uh, the Emirates. Exactly, London, yeah, to just go... Yeah. Yeah. Which would be fun, of course, as well. But now, finally, they've taken the decision to but build when, the bridge. When is that going to happen? I think it's going to happen in, like, let's say, three to six years, something like that. So we'll take a, a bit more time. Because a huge amount of bicycle traffic. I mean, every single ferry is full Great. and they go every few minutes. Yeah, so. they do. And it's a, an amazing ride. I like that ride as well. But, of course, people just don't want to wait. And I think that's the reason for building that bridge. And it's also a good connection to actually connect the north in which uh, they develop a lot of land right now uh, and the city center. So I really also like the bridge a lot, but, but you know, as it is right now, it's a very enjoyable uh, tour to go from uh, the city center to north. 
So Mo, tell me, because we're, we're not here alone, but we are. We should say where we are, actually. Yeah. Where, what's, so what's this place, this, this, this beautiful little cafe? We're at big yeah. cafe, not a little cafe, big cafe. It's a in. very big cafe and it's beautiful. It's called the Eye Film Theatre. And uh, basically it's, a, uh, yeah, it's an art house movie centre uh, set up uh, basically by the, by the city of Amsterdam. But we're not here, just me and you, Maud. So introduce around the table. We have some bicycle mayors here. We do, we do. We and have then we have a coordinator, of course, of, of the bikes programme. But totally. first, let's go to the bicycle mayors. So who, yeah. who have we got here, Maud? We got the first bicycle mayor of, junior bicycle mayor, not the first, actually, I have to say, but uh, <laughs> Lucas, you're the first older junior bicycle mayor uh, in Amsterdam because actually we had two before uh, Lucas already. And they were a bit younger, but then we felt like it would be really good to have uh, a junior bicycle mayor that would be a bit older to also get around uh, a bit more easy and also to be uh, able to put a uh, yeah to put the kids' voice on the table a bit better, you know. So and I think Lucas is doing a really great job. You have been around for um, for almost a year, have you? Yeah, a little bit more than a year now. I think since November twenty twenty. 2020, yeah. 2020, yeah. yeah. So one and a half near years now. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's been really great. So Lucas was able to work also with adults. Uh, adults, you know, you're an adult yourself now almost. How old are you, Lucas? I'm, I'm since January, I'm 18. So I'm okay. I'm, Officially, you're an adult yeah, so now. You'll be chucked out. You'll be, you'll be thrown out of yeah. the program very soon. Because you're not too old. Yeah. not a junior anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so definitely we're going to find a new, no, no not yet. <laughs> He's on the roll, we want to keep him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and we have, in, in, the, in the right And we have Aya on the right-hand side. You're pretty fresh because I think it's three months now that you have been a junior bicycle mayor for The Hague. Uh, and I think uh, that's pretty amazing as well. We have a new bike mayor in The Hague as well. And at the same moment, Aya, you got elected as yeah. the junior bicycle mayor of The Hague. So uh, what, do you, what do you do compared to what the, the adult bicycle mayor does? What, what are the differences? It's my job to look at what the kids want and need. And I think the seniors uh, look more at the, the whole picture and I narrow it down to just what kids need. What, what, what do kids need generally? Um, I think, in my opinion, kids need um, free bikes because a lot of my friends I know they don't go to school with a bike because they don't have one or theirs is broken um, so I think they need bikes and safer roads to schools so even here even in this country where you are so many light years ahead of well, virtually everywhere else you've still got to have a, a, a junior bicycle mayor telling people kids need these things why do you need this in this country well that's a good question i think um every country has its, has its imperfections and we can always improve things so we should always try to improve the things that can be improved so perfection perfect perfection because i mean we, we i come across here and i've, I've come off the, the boat and i've just been straight onto just amazing wide bike paths and then to think that you're going to be trying to improve it. How can you improve that? <laughs> well, actually, something really bad is happening in the Netherlands right now. And, and we have to talk about this. And it's happening to the children because years and years now, less children are getting on bikes in the Netherlands. And that's a big problem because we're actually losing the, the cycling culture that we have is, built. Is that 
they're and going on really scooters work. instead or are they going in cars where 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 are they going yeah it's like when they're really young uh, you know the parents feel like it's less safe uh, for a kid to be on a bike which is not true but they feel like that so that is a big problem i think and the second thing is also cargo bikes so lots of parents traveling kids in cargo bikes and they then are a bit older when they get to learn how to ride themselves which is maybe not a good thing and then also still to a lot of kids especially in the region uh, parents especially in the region taking the kids to school by car mm. which is a problem so we have this fight for school streets as well as uh, other countries but i think in the netherlands it's like uh, in amsterdam 25% of the kids can't even bike and in the netherlands as a whole a third of all children is not cycling so and in that the future, a lot that's bad that's it's you, terrible because then you can forward. expect exactly it's a whole generation had that's not cycling and if it's declining yeah then we're stuck because all the if all the people then like in 10 years or 15 years from now are going to go to work by car then what do we do it's not possible so then what's happening next week on World Bicycle Day is that we're uh, with all the bicycle mayors, the junior bicycle mayors, but also the Dutch bicycle mayors are going to be offering a manifesto to the uh, ministers in the Netherlands saying, you know, this has to stop because we're really worried. And so are also a lot of organizations in the Netherlands that we have been talking to about this. So it's, it's important, I think, what Aya is also saying is to put kids' voice on the table as well, you know, because... They have so many ideas on how to improve things. Mm. And, and maybe you can talk, for example, about your own idea, um, you know, Aya, about uh, uh, kids. The, the, so in the Netherlands, we teach the kids in school how to ride a bike, but we don't really do that because schools don't have the time, you know. And I think the lessons we learn them now are not the most, the nicest lessons. And that's the idea that you sort of, that struck us uh, when you wanted to become a junior bicycle mayor. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that. So we spend a lot of our day at, our, at schools and um, afterwards we don't really have enough time or our parents don't have enough time to teach us how to ride a bike correctly. So I thought, why aren't we taught this at the school? Because we have um, gymnastics, physical education, but learning how to bike is not... Um, a class that is given given inside of gymnastics, but it should. Is that not also because it's expected that you're going to be you're going to be a cyclist here, because you know the old adage of it's in like Dutch people's DNA. I know it's not not quite like that, but it, is that the reason? It's just it's so normal here. Why would we have it in school? And you're kind of like telling them something that's they find. Well, why would we do that? Is that, is that the reaction you get? Yeah, I I get that, but. We're now seeing that it's declining, so there it should be. Um, there should be more focus on it now because we have, like Mount, we have already we have had this bicycle culture for so many years, but now it's declining, and it's a problem that is really being ignored. And we haven't introduced somebody here who is at the table and, and, and is listening intently here. So you do the the, the kind of the bikes program we can get on to, to what the, the bikes is. in fact instead of asking Maud what, what the, the bikes program is you can tell me who you are and what the bikes program is and we're going to say it's BYCS BYCS yes so so tell me what, what what who are you and what is the bikes program so my name is Simon and I'm the bicycle mayor network coordinator so I get to coordinate and manage this really inspiring and energetic network of cycling leaders that we have now in 138 cities, more or less. And also, of course, the, the network of junior bicycle mayors, um, which is 
really great. It's a network of, uh, yeah, a lot of people trying to bring change in the cities and, and um, make their cities healthier and more sustainable through the bicycle. Um, but I think what's really unique is that because we value kind of their local knowledge and their voice, uh, they're very, they offer solutions that are tailored to their city. Um, and those can be shared across the network, uh, which is, yeah, it's really inspiring to see. And, and not only are our lessons shared, but also I think there's a really strong sense of solidarity among the, the network that keeps everyone inspired and keeps everyone working towards the same goal of, of 50 by 30. And do you meet up? I mean, how do you inspire each other? How, how are you, is, it, is it like a WhatsApp group where you're all in? What, how, do you, how do you talk to each other? Yeah, well, th there's a lot of things. We definitely have communication platforms on WhatsApp where people share what they're doing or that a lot of people ask for resources. Hey, you know, does, does anyone know how to best implement um, a bike share system or how to best uh, in introduce uh, bicycle parking, for example? But also we have regional calls, which are really, really powerful where uh, bicycle miners, for example, in Europe or in North America, will meet up uh, and discuss maybe an initiative that they want to tackle or they just share what they've been working on in the last three months and uh, lessons that they've learned. In Latin America, for example, last year we had a regional call where um, everyone there, the angle in Latin America is really focused around the climate crisis uh, and making, you know, raising awareness about how the bicycle is the zero emission transport. And so for Earth Day, through that regional call, all the bicycle mayors to together organized a, an awareness campaign uh, where, uh, yeah, on Twitter, on Earth Day, they all shared, you know, what, a united message of why we need to hop on bikes uh, to, to save the planet. And now we have the juniors as well, which, which uh, are doing the same thing. Perfect. And, and Mary, tell me where this started, because, I mean, it did start from just, you know, the odd, was it the yeah. Dutch? It was so Dutch. It was the, uh, it was the Amsterdam bicycle yeah, mayor. Exactly. I mean, I was there oh, no. when you, yes, when you, yeah. when you were appointed. So I'm asking about, well, you tell me, when, when, what, I remember this, but you tell me, when was this and what was the idea behind it? Yeah. And how has it gone? How, how, has it, as a, how has it worked for you? So it was 2016, I believe, when uh, uh, we were starting this organization called Bikes and NGO. And we wanted, we wanted to transform cities and we were thinking, you know, you could do that in, in different ways. And one way is to sort of, leverage the voice of, uh, of the change makers that are already there in cities, you know, and also see the effect of uh, benefit, uh, the benefits between global and local. So I have people being there in the city 24-7, knowing everything that's going on, you know, and them, for them being able to raise their voice in that city, uh, you know, we thought that might be a good idea. So then we started it with one bicycle mayor in Amsterdam, which, which was at that time Anna Luther. And Anna worked for Giant. She did, yeah, yes. she did, yeah. And then eventually she moved to New York as well. Uh, but it was great. She worked for Giant, but it had nothing to do with the work for Giant because basically she started because she had a fall on her bike a couple of years before she became a bicycle mayor. And by then she realized, you know, uh, instead of, you know, thinking about never going to be, I'm never going to be... It's another fall. Yeah, somebody's, exactly. It's just a class. Somebody's okay. dropping, yeah. It's not Anna. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm happy to say she's safe. Uh, but, you know, and then um, it wasn't about that, but it was basically about, she said, the bicycle's changing my life and I actually want to do something with it to make Amsterdam, you know, fun and better again using the bicycle. But then, yeah, something's happened in life, you know, so she moved and then Katelijne came on in uh, Amsterdam and she really saw the transformation happening where she saw a lot of kids with obesity still in Amsterdam that are not cycling and then that was also related to the work she's doing. So she was talking about how can we 
a big city that invites people and children to cycle more, you know, or to exercise more. It's not only about cycling as an end goal, it's a means to this end goal. And then, you know, building on that, I think in a year time we had 11 bicycle mayors. Uh, we organized a summit in Mexico City. And that was really awesome because by then we, start, we started to see the first results of that. And right now uh, the Mexican uh, bicycle mayor, Areli Carrion, she was there at the beginning. She's still with us. She's transferring her role uh, to somebody else as well. But what they have been doing is amazing because right now they changed a big law in Mexico around safety, which was a big fight against the car industry as well. And finally, after years of fighting, they've won that. And this is something they, uh, this is a good ex uh, example for uh, multiple cities in LATAM as well. And they're trying to spread that. And the second thing she and her group, Bicitecas, and also lots of other groups uh, are working on as well is to uh, inspire single moms to have a bicycle. They have bicycles, electric bikes, They share with these moms, they can use that. They are trained to use it for a year so they can feed the kids. They can take them to school. They can find a job somewhere and come out of poverty and also uh, depression most of the time. So we have so many inspiring stories. For example, uh, Satya in Bangalore, uh, we, we have uh, had a, a crazy explosion in India as well, where we now have, I, I think, Simon, uh, 47 bicycle mayor, something like that. It's amazing. I'll be going to India again uh, in a week time because it's like it's really yeah, what happens in India right now is that there's a lot of air pollution. Delhi is a good example. 50% of, uh, of uh, the air pollution is caused by road transportation in Delhi. You know, what if we can change at least half of the trips and get people out of the cars onto the bicycles? So, you know, and Satya, for example, is a good example. He inspired other bicycle mayors in India during COVID uh, with relief riders. So what they did was uh, use the bikes to bring goods and medication to people. And then other bicycle mayors took that on and then there, was, uh, there were a lot of volunteers uh, working with them as well. So that's some of the stories we get from the bicycle mayors and we've grown from 11 since to 100 and, what do you say, 38 now. Almost 150, yeah. So sometimes uh, mm. it goes up a bit and then it drops. And is the Bicycle Mayor's program, is that the biggest part of Bikes BYCS? Um, do you, well, what one what of else the big... do you do? What else do you do? Yeah, so uh, we're, after the success of the Bicycle Mayor Network, we also thought this is so strong, you know, building these movements. So we have started the Citizens Network last year. Um, and, and that is really uh, successful as well. Well, what else we do is also we help uh, organizations consulting. For example, we work with the UN and we are helping the uh, World Bank in Latin America uh, set up a, a, a platform which is called Plamobi. Uh, that is a really good thing as well. Uh, we, help, we are helping organizations in India. So what we do is sort of build coalitions as well of organizations, knowledge institutes, uh, companies, etc. to to go and bring the change. That's basically what we want to be doing. And have you found something that fits BYCS yet? Or is it still bikes? doesn't mean anything. It just means... It just mean, it means bikes to us. <laughs> yeah, simple as that. Yeah. You've got to come up with something. You know, bicycles, give you... <laughs> yeah. I bet it was actually... It, must be it was a bit meant by... Because we started off with cycle space. It was bicycle space. And then it also said bikes. So we thought... This is really good and it's so short. So, yeah, 
over the years, I've really, I really felt like this is so good. I really like this. But yeah, you can say whatever you <laughs> And how is it funded? Basically, we're self-funded until now, let's say. And so now we're trying to get in a bit more partners that can also help in a different way. So now, for example, we got a nice grant to build on the Junior Bicycle Mayor Network. And I think that is really good. So in the, in the past, uh, the work that we have been doing in consultancy and, and uh, lab uh, stuff in the Netherlands has, you know, really helped us. And after COVID, that stopped because we couldn't organize any events. We couldn't do that. So then it all dried up because the money we that comes into our house, we just spend that on the networks and all the other things. So we were a bit like, okay, well, what are we going to do? So we had to shift the model. And now that really helped us to work and collaborate with all the amazing organizations uh, like I was just talking about. So now, for example, uh, UMI, uh, which is the Rockefeller Foundation, for example, is helping us uh, building on with the Junior Bicycle Mayor Network, which doesn't only mean they fund us, but it also means that they help us with other organizations that have done this. You know, how do you how do you do that? So we're a small organization and we have we need help as well. And this is, I think, the perfect way forward. Hey, everyone, excuse the interruption, but this is David from the Fredcast and the Spokesman. I just want to take a few moments out of the show to talk to you about our sponsor, Turn Bicycles at www.turnbicycles.com. That's T-E-R-N, like the bird, turnbicycles.com. Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. And today, I want to tell you about their new Quick Haul e-bike. The Quick Haul is a compact e-bike and it's it's optimized to make life in the city just a little bit easier, a little bit more convenient and a lot more fun. It's a compact e-bike and it's going to handle most of your daily trips around town. It's rated to a hefty 150 kilos or for those of us Americans, 330-pound max gross vehicle weight. And it's got an ecosystem of modular accessories. This is really cool, by the way, so that it can be customized for any job. Different setups are going to help you carry a load of cargo, maybe an extra passenger. And that could be a small adult, a child, or even your dog or cat. Now, despite its longer wheelbase and its hefty cargo capacity, It's shorter than a regular bike. It's a compact design, plus it's got 20-inch wheels, and that makes the quick haul easier to maneuver on urban streets or maybe even in transit hubs like train stations or bus depots or even ferry terminals. It also includes Turn's vertical parking feature, which is really cool, so that you can just roll the bike into a small elevator or park it in a corner of your apartment. Now, the Quick Haul is also shareable by literally everyone in the family. It's equipped with an adjustable seat post and stem so that it can fit riders from 160 to 195 centimeters or 5 foot 3 to 6 foot 5, but it also fits riders 145 to 180 centimeters, which is 49 to 5 foot 11 when you put on the shorter seat post. Now, Josh Hahn who is turned teen captain and also somebody both Carlton and I have known personally for a very long time. Don't ask me and Josh how long we've known each other. 
Josh is serious about ensuring the safety of Turns bikes and its riders. So that's why he and his team ensure that every Turn bike is designed and independently tested to ensure rider safety. That's why they use respected independent testing labs and why they source their motors, their drivetrains, and their batteries from German industrial powerhouse Bosch. It, it just doesn't get much better than that. So for more information about the Quick Haul or any of Turn's wide range of bikes, just head on over to turnbicycles.com. That's T-E-R-N bicycles.com. We thank Turn for their sponsorship of the Spokesman Podcast, and we thank you for your support of Turn and also for allowing this brief interruption of the show. Now back to Carlton and the spokesman. Where have you come from? So 2016 yeah. was when the Bicycle Mayor program started. When was bikes founded and where, how did you get into this space? Of course, you're, you're, you're Dutch, so you're in this space naturally, yeah. but where did you come from? Yeah, basically uh, it was just, so I have another uh, co-founder and he's from Canada. And when he came here, uh, to live in Amsterdam with his family was basically because Amsterdam and the bike culture that we have, you know. So he said, I wanted to live in a city that is silent, that is clean, and it's nice and social and people feel healthy. And he was like, Amsterdam is the perfect start. And when I met him, he was like, you know, we have to give this presence to other uh, cities as well. And that's Basically, I think that was the, the basic thought behind what we wanted to do. We just wanted to share the gift that Amsterdam has to give, but in a different way. We don't think every city or every country should be like Amsterdam or the Netherlands, you know. But there are so many opportunities. So that's why we started off, actually, with the Bicycle Mayor uh, Network and, you know, started, started off being a knowledge center uh, for international organizations that wanted to know more about how do I do this, what can we do, and then we started to work with other organizations as well. That's basically where we came from. Yeah. So it's obvious that you're going to go to things like Velo City. So totally. I, I've definitely yeah. I mean, I've interviewed you before uh, yeah. in the Dublin Velo City, in fact, and then previous uh, uh, bike shows. But then, of course, you're also going to things like COP. Yeah, so we the are. COP in Glasgow and the, the, the COP that's coming up in Egypt. We are. You, perhaps you're going to, to that. Yeah. So how World much Urban of Forum. this is, is fitting into, into a climate change agenda? Yeah, it's like, I think mobility is actually the largest part, thing we can, uh, you know, influence on to get to the targets as, as quick as possible. And like in COP last year, we were talking about, you know, maybe... Uh, we should change uh, the cars and get a battery in there. But if we talk about active transportation, I think that, has, that would have the, the largest effect on, on climate change. And it's hard for people to see it, you know. So it's the solution that's already in the shed, let's say, you know. You can ride it today. So we don't need, uh, we can't transform all the cars that are in the world right now and put a lithium battery inside, you know. We can't do that. It's just impossible, not only for climate, but also because it's just not feasible. And this is such a feasible uh, and human solution. We have to, we, we don't have to, we should not focus on technology. We should not focus on all these other, that's not the future. We have the future already here. Talk about the future, and we have some young people yeah, here. Exactly. Who, that, we're, we're not the future. We, we are the, we're past Totally, it. yeah. Um, so we Where have the future grandpa? here sit, sitting with us. So I'll come to you first, Lucas. Yes. So, how much of what you're doing 
and 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 what you're doing with the, with the program has been inspired. Now I'm going to ask the same question. Um, has been inspired by climate change, or how much of it is just? Well, I, I like I like cycling. I think the other people should be like, uh, you know like cycling too. So so try and split that into percentage yes. terms, even. I mean at the. In the moment, or in the past uh, one and a half years, I didn't really had the climate aspect as one of my points to focus on. I mean, sure, it's a very important aspect. I mean, we are in the future and I want a, a livable world in, in 10, 20 years, where I can... Well, like, I think, man, we might still be there 10, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> we'll do our best. Or yeah. <laughs> before 30 years, I don't know. Oh, no, we won't. That won't be shrinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want to bike with my bike to somewhere in a, in a, in a nice world. But um, and I think uh, kids, what is my primary target, the first thing kids, I mean, a kid's a toddler of five years or three years is not the first thing without what I think about is the climate, you know. So then it's important to uh, fix it. And, and same question for you, I, but also maybe because Lucas talked about like young kids there. When you're talking to, uh, to maybe teens, is the climate aspect much more important to, to them? Is it part of what you're talking to them about? Or again, is it, is it you've got to keep it fun? Because the kids don't want politics, they don't want the future, they just want, they just want fun. So how much of it, again, same question, but just maybe slightly older kids? Well, I wasn't really focused on the climate part either. When I saw the numbers, I was shocked because of how, ma how many kids don't use the bike to go to school anymore and don't use it at all. I was um, shocked because for me, going to school with a bike changed my ability to concentrate on my schoolwork and it just made me feel better and less tired than if I went with uh, the tram or the bus. So I wanted to focus on that. If you go with the bike to school, you might think, oh no, it takes, it takes a lot of effort and I will get tired. But at the end of the day, it makes you feel better than if you were to go with the bus or the tram to school. That was what I wanted to focus on. How old are you? Um, I'm 17 and I'm still in high school. Does this program that you're doing, and many of does it take some of the time away from your schoolwork, or how, how do you how do you marry those two things? And maybe what your parents think why you're doing this. Well, I was used to combining what I do outside of school and school because I have been volunteering for quite a long time now. But what I really like about bikes is that we can choose um, ourselves what we do, when we do it, and how much time we put into it. So when I'm busy with school. I obviously don't do a lot. Um, I don't think about a lot of ideas. I just focus on my school. And when I have free time, I can decide, okay, now I want. I, now I have time for bikes. Now I can um, try to, you know, get some ideas and make some plans. And my parents, they, uh, they really loved it, that I did this, that I, uh, And you became a junior? Yeah, I yeah. became a junior. Because they also see how important it is for us to use bikes for regular. It's just so important that they're, they're doing the work that they're doing to influence their peers uh, at a young age and, you know, get cyclists that are, are, are teenagers. And I, I also think it's amazing, right? We have this focus on climate and, and I think a lot of teenagers do as well. But we also see in, in Aya and Lucas, they have, you know, very specific examples of why they want to get more people on, uh, on bikes. Aya wants to focus more and maybe, you know, this is, a perspective that I would have never really come up with. So it's wonderful to have their voices on the table to, to be able to learn why and how we can get people of their age uh, onto wheels. Totally. 
Yeah. yeah, and I think also, Lucas, what you came up with in the... Uh, so we have a Green Deal fit, means cycling. And so uh, basically what you came up with was this timeline uh, between uh, for kids between zero and 20 years old, when they get off on a bike and off a bike and how we could come up with interventions, you know, for that to see, you know, uh, when you learn. And so what we see in the pilot that Lucas was referring to, so the two to four years old, it was it's really funny because they're teaching each other, actually. So instead of the parents, like, pushing them, I've been pushing my kids, you know, for half a year, I think, before they could pedal by themselves. But what happens in the in uh, here is that ki- if one kid uh, starts to pedal, then the other ones do it as well, you know. So And I think if, if we were able to sort of do this in every, like, uh, this experience is an experience for life. And I think both of you are also referring to the fact that it's maybe not climate change or health or another angle where not, you're not thinking about angles maybe all the, all the time, where you're just thinking about the fun or the, the nice things cycling can bring to you. And I think that's also a really good thing about cycling. See, I think people listening to this will be quite shocked because if, if they're, say, listening to this in America, mm-hmm. they would say, well, of course, that's you're describing our society. Of course, people aren't getting on bikes. We need to encourage them on bikes. And because look at the Netherlands, that everybody's on bikes. And what you're saying and what Lucas has experienced and what I has experienced is, no, even in the Netherlands, you have to encourage people. You don't have to encourage people in cars. No. People go in cars. Yeah, you've got to encourage people, even in, and I'm going to bang the table here, even in the Netherlands, you have to encourage people. Yeah. Does that not say that's an inherent weakness of the mode that you are promoting, that you have to encourage them. You do not have to encourage your fellow 17-year-olds to get in a car. They probably want to get in a car. And fellow 18-year-olds, they probably want to get in a car because it's a, I mean, air quotes here, the adult thing to do. So my point here is just, well, my jaw is on the floor, Mm -hmm. basically. That's like, (laughs) I am in the Netherlands and you are telling me how difficult it is to get people on bikes. And it's like metaphorical head banging on on table. That's really shocking. No, but it is all about the cars, I have to say. You know, if we keep on pushing people into the cars, so what we're doing is subsidizing fuel. What we're doing is subsidizing the space where we, people are parking the cars. All these things, if we keep on doing that, we're basically pushing them into a car. And then being aware of like, oh, people are stuck at the highways. We need to build more highways. What is the future we want? You know, so I think the governments uh, are, uh, they need to make this change, you know. And that's why it's still hard for us to get the kids on the bike. But it should be the other way around. In the Netherlands right now, they put 2.8 billion euros into this tax law, helping the people that already maybe even have the money to drive a car, even if it's expensive to still drive the car, they give them money. Why, you know? What do they do that they need this money? I'm, I'm, I'm shocked by that. If we spend that 2.8 billion, it would mean 2,800 euros per kid in the Netherlands, which is like a million kids that are not cycling. If we spend that on these kids to give them a bike, to make sure they have safe roads, to have all that, then we would build on a generation you know, that doesn't need the car anymore, then we would build on a good city with a high quality of life. It is so easy. Let's come back to it, because when I said there about driving and at your age, and, and, and I had the same, and you, you, that was an ironic nod. 
you gave me. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So is that a problem? So on your timeline, for instance, is there, well, that's the age that, you know, your kid is going to basically want to, if not drive, at least want to learn to drive. And once you learn to drive and you've got insurance, you suddenly become, oh, I'm a driver all of a sudden. So is that when you think you will lose people? So you've, you've done all this fantastic program. You come, How old is it? Yeah, 17 when you can drive in the Netherlands? 18. Uh, 18. Yeah, 17 you can start, uh, yeah. Okay, so 17 in the UK, but 18 across here. So you can now drive, you can't drive yet, but you can now drive. I could drive when I have a license, but I don't have a license, so. But is, is that on your timeline? That's like, okay, 18, and we're going to lose so many people at 18. Not, I mean, for me personally, I'm not thinking about getting a driver license, but there are a lot of people who are... I mean, the first step is getting a scooter at the age of 16, you know, then you can go with a scooter to school. And then that's the first point where you lose some people. And then when you get at 17 or 18, they start get driving lessons and think, oh, with a car, I can go to there and to there. And when people get the car, then you lose a lot of people. But a lot of people also feel, for, ooh, a car is a little bit more expensive than I thought. I thought. It's on insurance, uh, gas, and, and the car in itself, it's not cheap. Uh, so that's also uh, a, a, something that causes people that uh, causes people to uh, get back from the car. But a lot of people, yeah, we lose on the car. And I also think that's on, uh, not in my timeline anymore. And I think later something, uh, something later, uh, you get back from the car. And I mean, some I, I hope or I think at some point people realize that oh no, that that car I don't want to drive a car the rest of my life. Uh, I will go by bike to my work or something. I mean, my father, he could drive to work, but it's in Amsterdam, and then he takes the bike. Um, the, the car is standing still in front of the house. So I think there's also a point in life where we get some people back, but that's then not really my uh, thing to focus on because A, it are not juniors anymore, and two, it, are not, it is not in my timeline. So yeah, but yeah. Okay, and I, same, same question to you then, really. Um, are you envisaging when you become a driving age? Do, do, do you envisage getting a driving license? Are your peers also thinking about getting driving licenses? Do you think you'll lose lots of people to, to, to driving when, uh, when they get to that magic age of 18? Well, almost all of my friends have either started their driving lessons or are going to in the near future. And everybody's talking about it, like going with the car to school. It's just cool, I guess you could say, for that age. So I do think we're going to lose a lot of people that now going to school with the bike, go to school with the car. And have a male-female. Is there a, a, a more of your female friends thinking that way? And maybe the, the, the guys don't? Do you? I mean, in, in, in the UK, there's a, a huge drop-off of teen girls. You know, teen girls is when you lose... You know, people, uh, you know, you, you can you can very much have a girl cycling up to maybe the age of 14. And then it becomes incredibly uncool uh, to, to cycle. And I know that from having, from, from teen girls. They've come back, but for a few years, for a good three, four years, it was very uncool for them to, 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 to be on a bike. How do you find that in the Netherlands? Do you find that similar? I, I think so, yeah, because um, two years ago, we did research for a project and we researched how many kids go to school with the bikes and we with the bike and we saw that all the boys in my year went to school with the bike 
And with the girls, there was like 50-50. So that was an interesting... Uh, <laughs> so, so how old were they? What was that, that, that age group, uh, that cohort? 14-15. Yes. It's very interesting because something similar happened in your school, remember? With the girls saying they felt oh, a bit yeah. unsafe yeah. at around... Also same age, I think, 14, 15. 14 yeah. or 15, so the same. Yeah. So the, yeah. you're, you're having the same problems that we have in the UK. I think so. But you're even having it in the Netherlands. Again, I'm banging your head against on the, <laughs> the table. You're even having it in the Netherlands. That's yeah. that's quite shocking. I'm, I'm, it's common to me. It's like, of course that happens. But here it's like, it shouldn't happen. No. Because you have all these bike paths. So how is it happening? With the bike paths, you mean? Well, yeah, we have everything you mean. you've got the you bike mean. paths, you've got all the things still, in other countries, yeah. in America in the UK, but you've got the things that we are clamoring for, and yet you're losing cyclists. How come? I think the government is still pushing on the wrong things. You know, if we don't make it safe for girls, let's say 14, 15 years old, to go to, let's say, hockey or foot or soccer at night and come back home, you know, then they won't cycle because the parents just tell them not to do it. For example, if they don't learn the rules, for example, or if the car drivers don't uh, take notice, like what happened in your uh, area, for example, then then people would f- and girls especially they will feel afraid and they will they will not be on the bike anymore, and that's a terrible thing. I think I think it is very simple actually. You know, eh? if we think about, I'm not against the car, but but in a way I am against the car because that is, uh, you know, causing so many problems for people to get on the bike. So we should make it an easy job for people to to get on the bikes. And, uh, you know, um, by, by designing uh, more with the bicycle in mind, you know, that's very important, I think. Yeah, add something here. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, you know, you're saying here in the Netherlands, you have all this incredible cycling infrastructure, which we do. But I think a, an interesting angle that bikes takes is uh, human infrastructure. So yeah. we talk about the importance of soft factors, which is kind of what Matt was just talking about with her examples, teaching people how to ride bikes, uh, like, like Aya talks about, or... Uh, you know, giving people free bikes when they don't have access to them. Other kind of cultural aspects that bikes really works on that are, are crucial. So in many places, you know, you can implement um, great bicycle lanes, which is a very crucial first step, but you also have to build a cycling culture around that to make sure that those bike lanes get used properly. And so I think it, it's not that people don't want to get out on the bicycle, but we're also counteracting forces of, you know, the, like Mel says, the government and the car lobby that, that wants to get more people on cars and creates a car culture. We also have to create a bicycle culture. Yeah. And that's what, yeah. Great addition. I think that's very important. And I think eventually, you know, building the lanes is important. Having the bicycles is important. But to get to this uh, point where, uh, you know, where you can see more cycling, it's human infrastructure that's making a difference. So what you're saying to me, and it's, it's come out very clear in this, is that the, the bicycle mayor or the junior bicycle mayor's program is 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 a, a critical component. Totally. So it's not a like a, a cutesy add-on, you know. Oh, look, we've got we've got like uh, little bicycles. They're not little, of course. Uh, we've got junior bicycles. It's something that's like really really important because you will lose so many people if we don't have the programs that you are you are you two are, and and your and your your fellow bi- junior bicycle mayors are. Are putting in place. Yes. Totally, we were just talking about the impact that they have when they do something, and I think that's grand, you know. So it's not only putting the kids' voice on the table, but actually making a difference. Thanks to Aya Achebone, Simon Alvarez Bellon, Lucas Boer, and Maud de Vries.
This has been episode 298 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast, brought to you in association with Turn Bicycle. Thanks to you for listening, and watch out for the next Dutch-themed episode popping up in your feed real soon. But meanwhile, get out there and ride.